there's a big difference between having an idea and actually doing something about it, right? Yeah. And so, you know, that doing something about it is really just having that confidence that yeah. that you really believe in this idea and you think this is going to solve the next problem or there's some type of market opportunity there. This is Durable Value. Get investing and business insights from industry experts and successful entrepreneurs every week. Like and subscribe now. So today we have Eric Levy and uh, I've known Eric for quite a while now through uh, Entrepreneurs Organization. Uh, it's been a great experience, a great ride, and it's been very rewarding to watch you and your company's journey and your very recent large exit. Uh, and I look forward to the opportunity to be able to talk with you about your background and how you got there. So, yeah, excited to be here with you today. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. So can you maybe just give me a little bit about your background, your growing up and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, yeah, it depends uh, how far I go back, but I'll start pretty far back. Let's see, grew up on the East Coast, um, went to school out there, started my career at General Electric through one of their management leadership programs, um, and then kind of got up in the, into the startup world in the, the 2000 days and uh, had, a, had a taste of that. It was out in actually Burlington, Vermont, and uh, that was when the dot-com uh-huh. days were going crazy. And I had the opportunity to move out to San Francisco and really be in the heart of it and did that. And then about six months later, the, the market completely crashed. What year was that? That was 2000 or like 2001 or two or something. And um, so then, you know, I mean, it's interesting to look at San Francisco today and it's just incredible. But back then it was, it almost turned into a little bit of a ghost town. It was pretty hard to find jobs. Everyone left. I ended up taking a job about an hour and a half away up in Santa Rosa and um, really liked the city. Tried living up there, but didn't like it. And so I was doing the commute and did that for about five years. Uh, and it was a smaller company, entrepreneurial company, you know, I don't know, 20 million or so. And, uh, but it was an amazing opportunity to kind of see entrepreneurship and, and how to run a company well. And, uh, you know, I, I came up with this concept and uh, it was mainly doing the drive. So I could literally never get my dry cleaning done. I'd leave my house at six in the morning. I'd go to the gym up there. I'd get home at seven o'clock at night and my laundry, my dry cleaning would never get done. And so um, there was actually a dry cleaner in my apartment building that had one of the retail spaces. And so... I said, well, if I put my laundry in a locker, will you come pick it up, clean it, put it back in the locker? And so that's kind of how Laundry Locker was born. And so that's my first company was Laundry Locker. We did uh, pretty well with that, became the largest dry cleaner in San Francisco, doing several million dollars of dry cleaning there, had lockers in hundreds of buildings. And then uh, started expanding that service beyond. We, uh, I mean, the company, actually the, the soft, we sold Laundry Locker off about two years ago, but the software company that we built is still around and the software we built for laundry locker we license that out to people all over the globe i think we have about i don't know 15 different countries that are operating and some of the largest dry cleaners in the world run their locker based delivery solution through that platform um and then i think it was about 2014 is you know when we really started seeing these apartment buildings where we had all our lockers for dry cleaning we're starting to really experience issues with packages and so that's when you really saw the influx of uh-huh. Amazon deliveries and what used to be four or five packages a day, now 50 or 100 packages. And they're saying, hey, is there some way we can use lockers to solve this? And, you know, together kind of, as well as all these different licensees we had around mostly the U.S., but also the globe, we're saying, hey, we need to use these lockers to solve the package problem. And so that's when Luxor One was born. Uh, Luxor One is electronic package lockers. So uh-huh. they're, they're kind of like the Amazon lockers, but much more... Um, you know, third party, anyone can use them. We sell them to the apartment building, UPS, FedEx, even Amazon comes, they put the packages in the locker, 
you get a text message that says your package is here, you go down, it's secure, you type in your code and you pick up your package. Um, so Luxor One is my current endeavor, started that in 2014. Yeah. Um, Brought that up here to Sacramento and scaled it, and then we sold the company uh, at the end of uh, twenty what, eighteen. Now, um, great. Yeah. So uh, I, I heard you mention GE yeah. there. So I know the GE management track is like a very understood world. Uh, why are you today not a big corporate exec? What what made you shift gears there, and and uh, what was kind of the thought process through? kind of going off of the corporate track into entrepreneurship. Yeah, you know, GE was, uh, their management programs were one of the best things you could get into. Like at my college, you know, when you graduated, they came on campus and recruited. Uh, it was during the Jack Welch days, so I had mm-hmm. the, the privilege of being there during those days. I, don't, I think I might have seen him once, but never really <laughs> met the guy. Um, and uh, it was great. I mean, it was a, a great culture to be in, very interesting, tons of learning, tons of education, tons of development, especially being through that program. Uh, but, you know, realized I was just a small cog in the wheel and there was never any chance of anything I'm doing having any type of impact on General Electric. Um, even if, you know, I climbed the ranks year after year after year, even then the senior, senior managers that I was working with had very little impact on what was happening there. And, you know, to me, a lot of it was just, you know, proven to yourself, right? Am I, do I know what I'm doing or am I just, you know, some yeah. schlub that, that's hiding in a cubicle here? <laughs> and so... Uh, that was what was really fun about you know moving to a smaller company is like everything I did had a direct impact. If I did yeah. something good, like we succeeded. If I screwed something up, yeah. we lost a client. And yeah. so you know I really liked sort of putting my money where my mouth was and, and doing that. And then you know when you take your build your own company, you're even taking that to another level. Well, and you you mentioned noticing a problem, your dry cleaning, and what what was kind of the thought process through. Okay, taking that, recognizing that problem, and actually saying, "I'm going to take the risk and the capital or whatever necessary to go out and find that solution." Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a I consider myself a pretty good problem solver, and literally, like all day, all I do. I mean, we had a conversation here. I probably came up with like 50 ideas. I don't know if any were good or not, but it's sort of like my uh, just my mo. It's like I'm drilling into everything, try to understand it, how it works, where the opportunities are. And, uh, but that's sort of a learned thing over time, I think, you know, as you become an entrepreneur, you become more and more obsessed with just solving new problems. Um, So, you know, with with Laundry Locker, it was actually, so a lot of it came down to reading one book, it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, or Retire and Retire Rich, I think is part of that same series. And um, it just changed the entire way I look at everything. So I was like, how do I turn everything into a revenue generating yeah. asset, right? And I remember doing that commute for an hour and a half every day going, God, when I come up with a good idea, <laughs> I'm going to quit this job and I'm going to do it. And finally, I was like, laundry are these amazing assets. I can buy these lockers and just place them there and then they'll be generating revenue every time something's, uh, some transaction's happening through yeah. those lockers. And so I was like, that is, you know, I told myself for years, I said, if I ever come up with a good idea, I'm going to do it. I think you only, at least for me, I only had a certain window of time, you know, I mean, I yeah. think once you cross that threshold of married kids, yeah. responsibilities, you know, when you're young and single and 25, it's, it's yeah. a lot easier to take that risk. And you know that if you fall, you'll be able to go get another good paying yeah. job, or at least I did with my background. So it was like, you know, to me, the risk was high. I mean, I took every penny I had. I mean, I didn't, you know, I was eating ramen, and yeah. sold my car and, yeah. you know, 
collect my own pot, every penny I could get scraping yeah. together, going to bars with, you know, bottles of my own <laughs> booze because you can afford to drink $8 drinks, right? Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of risk you take, but it's always a calculated risk of like, hey, what's the worst case scenario? And I think, you know, us at EO, and that's, it's, you're always like, hey, you've heard every story of every worst case scenario yeah. and the, the guy always got up off their feet and started again, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. you know, worst case scenario generally is not that bad Depending, I get. I yeah. think when you have kids and, and a family and a mortgage, yeah. uh, it, it, the risks are a lot higher yeah. uh, than they are when you're young and single. And worst case, I was going to live in the basement of my parents' house. <laughs> <laughs> they, they had it all set up and ready for me. I remember when, <laughs> when I started out contemplating, well, I could always go get a job here. I could go get a job there. <laughs> you know, Every day you're thinking peace about Peace of mind, yeah. I can make it through. And what's that bottom line? Like if it, when it's yeah. this bad is when I'm going to quit. Yeah. Oh, no, it's, I it's can go deeper. It's not that bad, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> By the end of 2021, what will work look like? Get our in-depth analysis and five predictions for the future of work and office space in our report, The Future of Work. Download at grisadapartners.com. You, you mentioned EO uh, a little bit. We talked about it. Uh, could you elaborate a little bit on maybe what kind of tools or support networks or, or things like that that have been helpful for you during your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, I mean, being an entrepreneur is lonely, right? I mean, I think, you know, when I started my company, I tried to find friends and other, you know, people I respected to come start my company with me, and they weren't willing to take the risk. Um, so I started it myself, and, you know, I, I didn't have a partner or anything like that. And so uh, finding resources and people you can lean on, and, you know, if you talked about being single, it's like great from one side, but you also, you know, now my wife is a great resource for me, and we yeah. talk a lot. But prior to that, it's like your friends, and they're in a very different yeah. space. So it's, really hard to find people that understand you and, and know you. You know, I had some investors and they were slightly, you know, a little helpful, but mm -hmm. uh, you have to be guarded with them, right? And careful sort of what you tell yeah. them. And yeah. uh, so, you know, I found Entrepreneurs Organization. It's a, a peer group of, of uh, you know, people who have started and founded their own companies, got to do at least a million dollars in revenue. And that honestly for me is probably, you know, I credit so much of my success to that organization just because it was an outlet that helped yeah. me develop both you know professionally but also personally as well um, yeah. because yeah. those two are so tied together and that's something we learned pretty quick yeah. in EO it's yeah. we're going there thinking it's gonna solve all our business problems and it ends up solving a lot of your personal <laughs> problems and your family problems and stuff like that because as an entrepreneur they're all so yeah. inter interwoven right absolutely yeah. uh, that you know Audible's great, especially, I mean, just driving around, listening to books is a, a powerful resource. Um, through yeah. EO, there's lots of training programs, things like that. Well, I've heard you mention EOS yeah. as well. Yeah, so, you know, at Luxor One, um, that was a pretty rapidly scaling company, and we were starting to build an executive team and really looking for uh, a process for how do we run this thing and mm -hmm. scale it. And you could see sort of all these, these things that we were, you know, looking for like how do we implement structure how do we have company culture how do we yeah. um drive accountability and so uh through eo i learned about a, a thing it's unrelated but it's eos entrepreneurial operating system and uh, it's based off a book called traction and it's really just you know for me i love just the formula hey do a b yeah. c yeah. and you'll succeed right eo run your form like this and it'll work out well eos it's like do abc and your yeah. company's going to run well and we run our company textbook eos um yeah. 
And you know, every single person in the company's got scorecard metrics. Our customer service agents have rocks. Yeah. Uh, everybody's got you know rocks that we're achieving. Yeah. We've got quarterly all hands meetings and VTO, and we've kind of taken that and uh, expanded upon it as well. But the culture it's driven through our organization is just incredible. Um, really smooth running company, and allowed us to scale incredibly yeah. fast. Um, you know, on top of that. How you mentioned scaling from what to what? I'm just curious to know how, how and over what period of time. Yeah, so I think um, you know we did about um, went from like a million to eight to sixteen to thirty to forty, and it was like four years. We went from wow. about zero to forty million without raising a single penny. Um, <laughs> yeah, we started with a loan from Laundry Locker because it was kind of a spinoff of that, yeah. two hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars to. Um, design the lockers yeah. and get it going. And then, yeah, I mean, we were profitable kind of pretty quickly out of the gate. Um, we had a lot of our, our customers pay a, a deposit in order for the lockers for us to produce them. Yeah. That helped us do the production of the lockers and yeah. keep that inventory. I mean, building millions, millions of dollars of inventory. Yeah. Um, not easy, but yeah, we really were able to grow that company without, I say not raising money. We paid that 250 grand back within a couple months. Yeah. And, uh, and scaled it that quick. And so. then what about employee size from zero? Yeah, from zero, one. right? <laughs> Me and my house. And I remember, you know, some of the, I still have vivid memories of, of uh, hiring a couple, you know, one person in particular here in Sacramento. He would come over and help me put together the kits. So, like, we had, you know, an iPad and uh, a controller board and stickers. <laughs> and we'd put them in a box and then we'd ship them to the location where we had installers. I mean, I used to fly out and do some of the installs. He yeah. would, um, you know... So yeah, one person in my house with one or two to, you know, we're about 200 employees right now in Sacramento, hundred person call center, staff 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, you know, sales team, product team, pretty, pretty large product team, 20 so people developing our new products, our next generation lockers and software and stuff as well. So you, obviously you're in the package delivery business essentially. Which uh, it, it's not hard to see that you look like a you know savant. <laughs> the, here we are today in the COVID world, and the, you know the number of package deliveries has gone through the roof. Yeah. Do you have any advice for uh, entrepreneurs as they're trying to find that thing that they're going to pursue? Uh, obviously, it's uh, looking back the choices made along the way have been really instrumental to, to where you are today. But do you have any, any thoughts on as people are trying to formulate what business they're going to go into or what opportunity they're going to pursue? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think a business idea is, I don't know, at least one a day. And, um, <laughs> you know, but make it, there's a big difference between having an idea and actually doing something about it, right? Yeah. And so... You know that doing something about it is really just having that confidence that yeah. that you really believe in this idea and you think this is going to solve the next problem or there's some type of market opportunity there. Um, you know, for me, it was more around just the joy of business. I didn't really have any necessary yeah. tie to lockers. Uh, now I do. I mean, now I'm very yeah. passionate about lockers yeah. and packages and dry cleaning and in those industries that I've immersed myself in quite yeah. a bit. But prior to that, I had I just wanted to solve. A problem yeah and uh, you know I think a lot most entrepreneurs or at least a lot of entrepreneurs yeah. are just you know find a problem that irks them and they kind of want to go yeah. out and solve that and now every day in, in different and that's what happens as an entrepreneur especially when you're you know the CEO 
you're seeing so many problems, right? Yeah. And you're doing yeah. so many different tasks. You're doing payroll. You're running electrical wires. You're, <laughs> you know, you're dealing with hiring. And so yeah. every single one of those, when you peel a layer back, you're, there's a business opportunity in there somewhere, yeah. right? And yeah. so just how do you uh, find that one that you have some passion around? And it's also got to be a skill set match too. You know, yeah. Lux or, or Laundry Locker was a fantastic skill set match for me because A, I was a software development guy. So I knew the yeah. software. I'd been working at a hardware company, so I knew how to build the hardware. We had sourced that China, so I knew Chinese sourcing. We had done some customer service. So this was really just like the perfect uh, overlap of my skill set mm -hmm. that, you know, is one that I could do myself because, you know, everybody talks about having a great team. But most companies, you know, you're starting by yourself yeah. with very little money and you got to do everything because if yeah. I'm going to pay you, to run electrical wire for a thousand bucks. I'd rather watch a YouTube video and figure out how I can do it for 20 bucks, right? Um, so at least yeah. that's my mentality. I'm definitely yeah. roll up my sleeves. I'll do everything myself. Um, yeah. And then, you know, then you start to build a good team around you once you hit scale there. Yeah. So you've, uh, you had Laundry Locker, uh, you have Luxor One. Uh, what, what is your next step? You know, the, I'm, I'm guessing with a large exit, you uh, have, are a little bit at a crossroads in terms of what you do next, where you go, what are your thoughts uh, on, on your future, your next five years, 10 years? Yeah, I mean, it's not something I ever really thought about or planned for. Uh, we weren't actually planning on selling the company. We were out trying to raise money. We brought some investment bankers to help us through that process. And we actually landed up receiving multiple offers to, to buy the company. And so I was like, oh, okay, I guess, guess we're selling the company. Uh, but I've been, you know, that was almost two years ago and I'm still there, you know, yeah. 10 hours a day, uh, yeah. grinding away and, and yeah. pushing on it. So, you know, at this point in time, I'm, I'm very involved in the business and running it and driving it forward. I, you know, but you actually have a whole nother side of stuff now that, you know, just from an investment perspective, from a, Mm -hmm. uh, a money perspective how are you managing that money um and then you know what's the next step i think it's thing, something i struggle with a lot i probably won't be at luxor one forever mm -hmm. uh, like i said i have a lot of business ideas is, do i do that you know what's my motivation for doing it yeah now my motivation's really got to be for fun yeah um yeah and so you know that's a fun place to be in is what's something i'm really passionate about yeah that i'd really like to understand a little bit more yeah. and how can i create some kind of business around that that you know because the, the business side of it to me is fun as well, right? Yeah. Uh, so developing that business, solving problems, people saying, wow, this is cool. You know, I love yeah. using your, what you guys have built. You're the guy that built that. That's, that's awesome. You know, I, yeah. use, I use those lockers every day. Um, so that's rewarding, giving people jobs, um, giving them hope. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. a lot of people that work for me have sort of become entrepreneurs or been inspired and mm -hmm. will become entrepreneurs and how do I invest in them and give them the tools so that they can succeed that's what's you know a lot of fun for me now that's great yeah. what um, we've talked a little bit about your investing activity yeah uh, if you don't mind I'd love to hear a little more elaborating on kind of that whole thought process of how you were allocating money and what avenues and what you found interesting and what insights you have as you're investing yeah i'm definitely not a professional investor at all here i mean i i can't give anybody any any good advice here i think we all have our own uh method too and a lot of it is honestly like how much money you have right i mean yeah. it's are you trying to is it about 
gaining wealth, right? You know, I've got a million bucks and I need to turn it into yeah. 10. Yeah. Or is it about I've got 10 million bucks and I don't want to lose any of it, yeah. right? So wealth pres- yeah. preservation. So I think it really depends on where you are in that spectrum. Um, but I didn't realize how much work it was going to be. You know, I mean, you take you get you get this big check in your bank account and you go, okay, <laughs> don't lose it. <laughs> this is going <laughs> to it's going to last you the rest of your life, you know? And uh and where are you going to put it? And boy, the phone starts ringing off the hook with investment advisors who want to trade stocks for you and, and this and that. I think I've taken a very conservative approach. I think, you know, obviously it's some crazy times we're in right now. And who knows where the yeah. market's going. For me, I want to make sure I don't lose my money. Um, yeah. So, you know, I've tried to put it into things that are, you know, um, inflation, that can't handle inflation, right? like real estate mm-hmm. and such. Mm-hmm. Um, personal investing, people that I know, different types of funds, uh, crowdfunding mm-hmm. areas are, are really interesting ways to diversify your money. You know, so you put in 50 grand, but put it across a thousand different investments. So it's $50 and a thousand investments. Um, so that's fun. So yeah, I'm just kind of dabbling with it right now. I honestly, like I said, I have a full-time job. I'm pretty busy over at Luxor One. I don't have the time yeah. to sit there and go out and try to find active investments for my money. Um, but I think over time, you know, you start to build that portfolio and those yeah. relationships and a lot of it's relationships, you yeah. know, just that's how you and I yeah. know each other. We've known each other for years. You said you're working on this thing. I was like, okay, great. I know Ryan like this. <laughs> I feel like it's a much safer place to yeah. put my money than, and I know exactly what he's doing with it, how he's doing, because I've heard about it for years um, versus, you know, some random person you meet on, on the internet or something. Right? Yeah. So uh, when you're some investment advisor you just met. When you, when you said it's hard, uh, it, can you elaborate a little more on on what's hard about in you know people? I, I think people think, well, gee, if I just had money, I'd be fine. But now you're you're stuck with this. Uh, okay, I have money. I don't like you said. I don't want to lose it. You know, uh, you, how do you navigate that? Um, yeah, I mean, you just you know you. To me, the way I navigate is by spreading my risk. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot of opportunities that come my way. Hey, Arik, you know, I'll buy my business partner. Can I borrow $200,000? Hey, Arik, you yeah. know, um, I'm starting a company. Can I borrow, you know, or can, do you want yeah. to invest in Investment, it? Right. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of it is the personal network. I mean, honestly, that's like, that's the best thing. Right. Yeah. And they always say that. I mean, yeah. when you're trying to raise money or you're trying to invest money, it's like, yeah. who's your personal network? It's, yeah. it's the same on both sides of it. And do I know these people or know somebody who knows this person? Is this yeah. a safe place for me to park it? It's also around diversity. How do I, you know, so the ones I don't know, well, I'm going to put maybe a little bit of money in yeah. and, you know, or worst case I lose it, but also worst case they do really well and I should have put a whole bunch more money yeah. in. Um, yeah. But you can't lose sleep over that stuff. And hindsight is twenty twenty on these things. So, yeah, um, yeah, you know, you just, it, it is, it's scary though because it's, yeah. you know, to me at least my, my, wealth is my future yeah and uh you know i don't want to have to when i'm 70 years old like <laughs> oh crap I made some really bad investments and uh now i gotta go back to work or something right yeah. so you know you gotta yeah. you work with i've got a great um wealth manager i work with he, he's awesome you know he, yeah but he's he's one data point yeah right so yeah. hey matt you know yeah let me hear your data points but I, you know, you, yeah. you're actually making all, those decisions yourself. I could give them all my money, but yeah. I, I'm, like I said, I'm very roll up my sleeves, hands on. Yeah. That's kind of an everything I do. So it's, <laughs> it's the same thing with wealth management. I'm not just going to give it to one person and say, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, 
Well, uh, first of all, I appreciate you taking the time today um, and uh, coming out to, to be interviewed. I thought maybe we could close by um, giving some insight on a person that's been influential to you or an insight that's been influential to you that you look back and say, you know, that that person or that insight at that time really, you know, made a difference in my in my career. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's a specific person. I mean, there's definitely people uh, throughout my career have touched me in different places. I'd probably go back to, you know, EO. And honestly, it's like some of the four meetings, form is, you know, a group of 10 business owners that we sit in there and we, we struggle. You mm-hmm. know, we, we talk about our struggles and people share experiences of how they solve similar problems. And so I can look back and, you know, every person in that forum shared something with me that I guarantee helped me yeah. make a decision in my life. You know, the Luxor One or whole VAR model, reseller model, was built off of uh, this guy who was a Cisco reseller. You know, I was yeah. really struggling with hiring a VP of finance. One person said, hey, I used this, uh, I used a recruiter, and here's what they did. I was like, God, I never even thought about a recruiter. I was going down these other yeah. directions. Yeah. And boom, we call up that recruiter, and we got our CFO, and she's fantastic, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's those little nuggets. And what yeah. they say is like each one of those meetings, if you get one or two nuggets, yeah. like you're going to look back five years from now and go, that little nugget is what actually changed the entire trajectory of my company. And so to me, those are my, you know, it's... It's the people in EO, honestly, are probably by far the biggest influencers yeah. on uh, on the path of my, my journey. That's great. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. And, it's been great uh, to chat. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Durable Value, an investor's podcast, where we demystify commercial real estate with safe, sound investment strategies to help you balance your portfolio. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more, visit crusadapartners.com, where you'll find more information, investors' tools, case studies, and more. This podcast is hosted by Joe Miratori and Ryan Suela. It's produced, edited, and mixed by Melodic, with intro music by Ian Post. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.